when it got dark and I was alone, I still would would have to wrestle with myself, and I was still going through the ordeal, I guess the after effects or whatever, of being of what had happened to me before. I was still traumatized, I guess you would say. I can't stay here. I can't stay home tonight. Maybe I can come over. Huh? Maybe I can come over. Everybody's out. I'm looking around. All the lights are out. Everybody's out. I'm so scared and I don't even know why. Do you feel something? Yes. Welcome to Crawl Space. What you just heard was a clip from the documentary An Unknown Encounter, a true account of the San Pedro haunting. How's it going, Lance? I am a little bit unnerved, Tim, because what we have coming up is a conversation with a friend of ours, Christy Arnhart. She has put together a lot of research on this haunting of this individual, Jackie Hernandez, and this took place over a three-year period starting in 1989. And you just mentioned that the audio that started this episode was from a documentary called The Unknown Encounter. We do use a few clips from that documentary in this episode, but we highly recommend that folks go to YouTube and check out the full documentary of An Unknown Encounter, which was made in 1997. It features footage, Tim, that you and I watched and came away with thinking uh, we had never seen anything like this before but how are you i'm doing great i'm excited to get to speak about the paranormal a little bit which is uh something we don't always get to do on crawl space or missing but yeah we are joined by christy arnhart who is a veteran of appearing on our shows at this point having spoken about the robin burgett unsolved murder most recently and now she's back to speak about this haunting of this woman jackie hernandez it seems like it's real it seems like there's definitely some real aspects to this, and I know uh, that's kind of taboo coming from a crime podcast, but I don't know what else to make of this. Yeah, it's really hard to explain away how multiple people at the same moment experienced the same thing and have the same reaction consistently, not only during the experience, but for years after, and it still continues to this day. And none of them have come forward to say that this was fabricated, and none of them have made any money off of this. And it's really riveting. And again, we do put pieces of the documentary in the episode to structure the narrative so that you can really identify with the people. Had Ed and Elaine Warren worked on this case, you better believe there would have been a Hollywood uh, movie oh, sure. made about this. But uh, yeah, to our knowledge, there there isn't. And so it is kind of a, an unknown haunting case, unless probably you're really into this stuff and, and seek this out often. Um, you may not 
not have heard of this case like us. And I just want to quote one of the paranormal investigators, Barry Taft. He said the Hernandez case is nearly in a class by itself. And the reason he says that is because there's physical evidence here. Attacks that happened to these individuals. This is part one. Well, let's get to it then. Let's play the conversation or part one of the conversation with Christy. Make sure to check us out on social media at Crawl Space Podcast or Crawl Space Pod. But if you would like to hear Crawl Space ad-free, Lance, how can you do that? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. If you want to get all of the episodes of Crawl Space ad-free, plus our extraordinary bonus show, you can subscribe right through your Apple app. It's super easy. It's $4.99 a month. However, if you are not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm. Get all the same content there. How'd I do? <laughs> Good. Okay, we're going to break for a commercial here, and we'll be right back with Christy Arnhardt. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Christy Arnhart, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are y'all doing? We're doing fantastic, but I feel like I need to present this to the listeners that if you're going to listen to this episode, you should do it in a dimly lit location. I feel like we should be in dimly lit locations right now. Really yep. set the tone for what we're about to bring to the table. <laughs> I do too. I need to have candles lit. I need to close the blinds. <laughs> some sage. Yeah, no Ouija board. Nothing that uh, resembles no. some kind of seance or uh, anything like that, though. We got to be careful. <laughs> crystals. Load up with crystals all around you. <laughs> there you go. Good energies. Yeah. So this is a, a haunting case that you've brought us, Christy. And uh, so thank you so much for bringing this to us. This is a fascinating case, the Jackie Hernandez haunting, something I'd never heard of. Where did you hear about this case? Well, I have always loved anything paranormal. And growing up in the country in the Bible Belt, I didn't get much of that. But in the 90s, when sightings finally came on, oh, <laughs> then you got to see everything you wanted to see. Now, one of the cases that they showed with all of the footage of the haunting was the Jackie Hernandez case. And I have never forgotten about it. Yeah, it's not one that you'd forget about anytime soon after you hear about it. Mm -mm. I was surprised to not have known that this happened, but I guess it kind of predated when you lived in L.A., Tim. I was actually surprised that you hadn't heard about it just being in L.A. with like L.A. lore. Me too. And I love stories like this. And I've even spent some time in San Pedro or San Pedro. I know my, my friend who lives down there calls it San Pedro and swears that that that's how it's pronounced, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is a wild story. Uh, one with actual danger, a haunting case with actual danger. I know, and you know, you see that in the Doris Bither case, the entity case. I know a lot of people have heard about that. That's had a book and a movie, but Jackie's case kind of predates the internet and never really got picked up in that way. Yeah, it's really interesting, and there is a documentary that was made that we did check out. It's called An Unknown Encounter. On November the 17th, 19 88. Not far from the hustle and bustle of the shipping lanes, a young woman named Jackie Hernandez moved into a small house. Not long after, Jackie became convinced that something else was present in her home, something not of this earth. That's available on YouTube. It's got some interesting uh, visuals in there to go along with this, <laughs> yeah. uh, this story. Yeah, yeah. you kind of have to look past the cheesiness of it because the footage they're showing you is the actual footage from when they filmed it at the haunted house. So that kind of just blew the cheesiness away for me. Yeah, I think that what Tim said with this being a ghost story with an actual element of danger and the fact that you can see these pictures and the videos that you read about when you're researching this because there's a lot of activity 
and a lot of investigation that went into it. And your first thought is, okay, well, where are these pictures in? Where's the evidence of this happening? Where's the video? And then you see the documentary and you're like, okay, all right. There so that comes together as well. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. And there's several people in the documentary and no one's winking at the camera. Everyone takes this deadly serious, which is one of my main takeaways, I think, as an observation from watching the material. Everyone is 100% convinced in what they're saying about the haunting. Oh, they definitely are. Just happened to be there on the night uh, when this phone call came in. And, uh, uh, you know, looking at it now, I still don't know what to believe. I just know what I had seen and experienced. And there were things that I'd certainly never seen before and couldn't be explained by, you know, any ordinary, you know, science or anyone else. There's a book that was written about this too, and in the book it talks about how one gentleman, of course he was very professional, another gentleman was scared to death and has never really messed with any of this again. Then you had one guy who really wasn't touched by the paranormal part of it, so he'd bring friends by, he'd bring a girlfriend by to Jackie's to show off the haunted house. It's You get an eclectic bunch in here, but yeah, they did take this seriously. And you took your research on this very seriously as well. You put together an amazing amazing research document for us to work off of today. I don't know if you guys want to start it now or you want to kind of riff a little bit more about this, but we'll probably have some opportunities to provide our opinions uh, as we go through this. But great work with this document. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Christy, take us back to November of 1988 in San Pedro, California. Okay. Jackie Hernandez moved into a rental house on 11th Street in San Pedro, California. She had recently separated from her husband. She was heavily pregnant with her second child. She was having to work several jobs to make ends meet. It wasn't a happy time in her life and it was very stressful. Now, after she lived there for only about a month, she started to notice things happening. You know, she never felt like she was alone. She always heard noises, sometimes snatches of voices, especially walking around in the attic up above her, but she never could, you know, figure out where it came from. And the whole feeling of the room just changed. It was, it went from all of a sudden from being just an interview to something that was actually happening. I mean, this this was actually happening and nobody could explain it. What happened? It's like it's something grabbed that out of my hand. I'm not kidding. Somebody grabbed the whole thing out of my hand. Just now. Just now. Just now. It grabbed the whole thing out of my hand. Yeah. Okay. Hear it? Hear it? He's walking back and forth up there. It is walking, definitely. Quiet, everyone. She would see balls of light flash through the living room, and it happened enough that her cat would chase balls of light, would chase little shadows that she would see, and she never could find a source for them. So she starts to get more and more upset as more time goes by. Was it immediately upsetting to her? Not in the beginning because it started out small. You know, you hear little things here. You might see a little something there. And she honestly thought that it might be hallucinations caused by her pregnancy. I don't know what kind of pregnancy she had. I didn't know that you could hallucinate any at all. But she tried to chalk it up to that until it was just big enough that she couldn't make excuses. Now, I just want to ask, in your experience, Christy, have you heard or do you believe that some hauntings can take place during times of transition? I feel like that's a familiar kind of trope with ghost stories. It is. And really with this case, I feel that it's more of a poltergeist type haunting than it is, say, a residual or a replay type haunting. This one, like I said, she was in a bad time in her life. 
she was pregnant. She might have been sensitive to begin with and had just never paid attention to it before, but all of that energy wrapped up. It might have just been the perfect storm there. And just a real quick question before we continue. You mentioned you thought it was more of a poltergeist as opposed to like a replay type haunting. Can you just give a little definition of why those things are different? Yeah. Uh, When you've got a residual haunting, a lot of times those are imprints that are left on the environment, whether it's a house or someplace outdoors, say where a battle took place. You see replays of these events. People walking through the house, you may hear noises, you may see battalions walking through a field, but those really don't touch you. It's just something that you experience. A poltergeist haunting is totally different. I think the poltergeist translates to noisy ghost. Basically, anytime you're getting stuff thrown around, banging on the walls, children are seeing things, anything like that, it tends to start leaning more toward poltergeist hauntings. Really, the more energy you have to offer, whether it's stressful or you're grieving or whatnot, poltergeists seem to be able to latch onto that energy and use it. I'm ashamed to say that I just realized that Geist is German for ghost. (laughs) Just looked it up. Had no idea. I'm very ashamed at myself for not knowing this. I'm telling you, I've been reading this since I was a kid. You couldn't even get books on any of this, so I would order whole series of Time Life books. I've still got them. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I remember those old Time Life books for sure. I had some as well. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. But this period of haunting where it's not all that scary didn't last that long for Jackie. No, it didn't. I really don't know if it happened before or after her daughter was born, but it was right around that time that everything really kicked up for her. Late summer, she had started to freak out, and one of her neighbors had actually come over, witnessed some of the things that were happening, and suggested to her, you know, maybe you should call these paranormal investigators. I don't know what it is, but I saw it, and I smelled it, I experienced it, I felt it, it touched me, it talked to me, it communicated to me, it did things here at my house to let me know that it was there. I don't know if anyone remembers, but in the late 90s, they gave unprecedented access to this paranormal team to go on to the Queen Mary and, you know, film ghosts and all of that. This was the same team that investigated the Queen Mary. Very cool. And quick side story, Lance and I actually went on the ghost tour at the Queen Mary uh, years ago. Oh, I bet that was so much fun. It really was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see anything, hear anything? No, but definitely did get like a feeling of nausea briefly, which is one of the things they say happens to a lot of visitors. Yeah, if it's got a high EMF field, it would definitely do that. Yeah, there's uh, some stories that our tour guide told and he did it so well. We had a really great tour guide. I can still like see him in my head. Every moment that you stop to experience something, he had a story and he just, his delivery was just great. But to have those people who did the investigation on the Queen Mary work with Jackie... Mm-hmm. That's like a big catch as far as the paranormal investigative team that you're trying to secure, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they were able to make it on television back then, they were at least respected in certain circles because, you know, parapsychologists, they're not looked at great today, but it was way worse back in the 90s. It was just all Ghostbusters in people's minds, I guess. (laughs) Still isn't mine. (laughs) That call would lead to the involvement of these three men in search of the unknown. Dr. Barry Taff, parapsychologist, 
has investigated well over 2,500 cases of poltergeist phenomena. It was he and former associate Kelly Gaynor who researched a classic 1974 case made famous in a movie known as The Entity. Barry Conrad, TV cameraman, has shot over 5,000 news and feature stories for television. An Emmy Award-winning photojournalist, Conrad has worked for both the ABC and NBC-affiliated TV stations in Ohio and Colorado. Throughout the 70s, Jeff Wheatcraft was an elementary school teacher in Omaha, Nebraska. In 1980, he moved to New York City to pursue photography. Okay, so Jackie went over to her neighbor's house, Susan Castaneda, and apparently Jackie saw a violet mist float through an open window. Is that what happened? Yes, she did. It just seemed to float into the house and hover around before it dissipated. But, you know, that made her nervous, as it would me, you know, so she decided to get up and go check on her kids, make sure they were all right. Her three-year-old was in the top bunk of his bed asleep, and the baby was in the crib, but sitting in the bottom bunk of the bed was a thin, gray skinned old man who was wearing a red flannel shirt and high water pants like the old gas station attendants used to back in the day. Now he's sitting there with his legs crossed staring at her maliciously and I don't know about you but that would just scare the daylights out of me whether it disappears or not. Was it like this you think? <laughs> that's a malicious look to him. my goodness I think that's documentary accurate wow it's my malicious ghost face for those just listening and not watching the YouTube one thank goodness you didn't just see that <laughs> it was it was bad it'll haunt you for, for years I hate the description of this ghost by the way I hate the description of him wearing the high pants and like an old gas station attendant and on a comical level it made me think of the guy from the original Friday the 13th who warns all the kids who's on his bike like that's what I initially pictured so it gave me a little bit of a comic reprieve there but I don't like this description well I can understand yeah it's, it's unsettling to me but maybe it's the fact that it was in the children's room just sitting there I think yeah. that bothered me more than anything yeah I'm sure her first instinct was to protect her children and then how long was it before he's dissipated well it doesn't say actually on this first encounter I know there was a second encounter where she got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and from her bed she could see into the kitchen and into some of the rooms in the house and there sat that old man staring at her maliciously it's always malicious now this is one that i have a problem with because i feel like i would have went over to that ghost at the table like it depends how malicious they were staring at me probably but i am of the mind that ghosts aren't about to hurt you and kind of can't enter the physical world and i feel like i would have like thrown something at him just to get him out of there you know done something yeah because i know she sat there covered she did what we all do she laid in bed she covered up her head and pretended it wasn't there it's not there it's not there took the covers off and he was still there he didn't fade out until the morning sun started coming up the next day so what other things happen right around this time that we can say were these escalating factors or escalating occurrences well it went from balls of light and shadows and voices to objects moving on their own i know at one point a pencil holder had just picked itself up and toppled over while she was sitting there watching it at one point while she had a friend over they heard a crash in the next room they go in there 
and she has this painting of a goose hanging on her kitchen wall. Well, now the painting's off the wall and it's lying on the kitchen counter five feet away. And the screws that were holding it in place are sitting on the small table under the painting, sticking straight up. So they're standing on their heads while they sit there. Very creepy detail. That is. That shows deliberation. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. I've heard moaning, I've heard voices in the attic, I've heard breathing coming from both the bedroom and the kitchen. Balls went flying through the air today. A book went through the air today, just like it, just like a frisbee. Um, the door closed on me, slammed on me all of a sudden. And lights from the kitchen and that light would go on and off. I could say, as a devil's advocate here, from that point of view, just bringing this to the conversation, it's weird, but I mean, seen weird things before. Drop like a piece of paper and it lands on the thin side. We've all done something like that. Really? (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Not with the paper example. But no, I I see what you're saying. With the nails, I mean, you drop two from a certain height. At some point, both of them are going to stand up like that. So yeah, it's a little bit of, I guess, playing the numbers, right? But that's a pretty rare thing, I would still say. I don't know what the one in 10,000 or one in a million, what the ratio would be. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, and this next one, I always kind of had a problem with this because I've seen this happen before and it has a perfectly reasonable explanation. At one point, a stream of water poured out of one of her light switches into her entryway for about five seconds solid before it stopped and it never happened again. She says they had no water leaks, nothing like that. The switch worked perfectly before and after. Now, if you have plumbing issues, you know, you can have water pouring out of your light switches, out of your fixtures. But she says it didn't happen anywhere else and they had no problems. That's really funny that you said that this was the one that you had an explanation for, but this was the one where I'm like, that is really weird. I have no explanation for <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've saw stuff like that happen before. Water coming out of a light switch? Yeah. Especially if you're in an apartment building or you have an upstairs bathroom, anything like that. That water can rush right down into where the electrical's laying. That sounds very unsafe yeah yeah it's horribly unsafe and i wouldn't god i wouldn't want that to happen to my house right but you've heard of that before i have heard and you can find video of it um i found a video of jason sudeikis talking about how he had a birthday party for his son in the day that that happened he had a water main burst and it did just that it started pouring water from the light fixtures and there was video of it wow but tell us about the attic in the house that seems to be the source of a lot of the creepiness yes the attic was always a huge problem for her. And it wasn't a space that she ever went up into, you know. Uh, It's big enough for you to get up and walk around in on the beams. But when they checked it out, other than some change that was found on the floor, I think there was a horseshoe, maybe some seashells, a fruit box sitting in a corner. That was all that was up there. But she constantly heard voices, heard running back and forth. Now, one day while one of her neighbors was upstairs cleaning, she started thinking, you know, they did find some change up there. Maybe I should go see what's up there. So it's during the day. She goes up you just can't get light up into this attic. Um, I know that it's got to have a place at the front of the house, a vent or something, but it's like that didn't let any light in whatsoever. So she's up there, she's looking around. Out of the darkness, this disembodied head floats toward her face so fast, it scared her and she fell out of the crawl space hole and onto her washer. 
Well, that sounds painful. And the floating head towards Jackie sounds terrifying. Also sounds like something that would happen in a movie, though, you know? Yeah, it does. And there's nobody to back that up but her, you know? I felt something behind me, so I kind of like, I, I turned real quick. And as I turned, there was a head and it was just a head and it was coming for me. Can you describe to us as best you can how you would be able to access the attic? It's basically just a piece of wood over the opening. You have to climb up on top of her washing machine to access it. You just move, you know, the piece of plyboard or whatever it is out of place and just use your arms to pull yourself up in. There's no ladder, nothing like that. So she went up there to look for some change, moved the piece of wood aside, hoisted herself up in there, and that's where she fell through onto the washing machine. Yes. Uh, She's super lucky she didn't like shatter a leg or something like that. Yeah, she is. Because it's not even like it's a long distance to fall, but it's still dangerous. And that's when I ask, uh, you know, but let's see the attic. Let's let's go up there, or at least open the attic door and, and see what we can find. Fascinated by Jackie's account of the disembodied head, the group decided to inspect the house. Just above this laundry room is the entrance to the attic. Jeff Wheatcraft decided to go up and shoot a couple of photos. I went up into the attic and checked it out. It's a very small attic. It's very simple. There's nothing up there basically. But you know, as I walked around, I felt like there was something looking at me. You know how you get this feeling where something's looking at you or something's behind you and just, you just feel just very uneasy and you're always kind of looking back to see if, if there is anything. That's the feeling I got the first night that I looked up in the attic. Were there voices coming from the attic as well? Well, she had heard voices that day. She had heard some banging and things like that, but it's not like she was hearing them and rushed up there to see what it was, no. Now tell us about Jackie's dreams. She had an unusual dream one night. There was a young man, he was being clubbed in the head with a lead pipe, and he ended up being drowned by his assailant. She says it's in the San Pedro Harbor, and that it looked like it was the 1930s in her dream. Now, she's experiencing this from the dead man's point of view the whole time. She experienced getting hit, getting drug under the water and held until she drowned. It was kind of traumatic for her. And she had a feeling that those two, the assailant and the one who was drowned, she had a feeling that those two had a lot to do with what was going on in the house. She just didn't have any proof of it. And how close was the harbor to where she lived? That is a good question. I don't know exactly how far it is from the harbor. It's pretty close, I'll say. Having been there, yeah, it's, it's definitely very close. I'm sure you could probably see it if you were high enough up from wherever she lived. Mm-hmm. Now, the next part here, this is my favorite part, and it's the one that I feel that feel they screwed up the most. One day, while Jackie and a friend of hers were washing dishes, they noticed that an orange liquid was dripping down the glasses in the cabinet. It was dripping down the side doors of the cabinet. They couldn't figure out what it was, so they took a Q-tip, got a sample, and put it into a plastic Ziploc bag until the paranormal team could get there and analyze it. Now, when it was analyzed, they found that they had human blood plasma from a male, and it had a, a high iodine and copper content to it. Now, how in the world blood I get? You could actually have access to that, but plasma? 
Okay, so let's uh, take those two elements, copper and iodine. Iodine is something that is typically used in the healing process, right? Doctors use it. I do know that. Um, I think, does it not sterilize? Sterilize. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So used for sterilization and copper. Why would there be a high copper element to this plasma? Well, see, I don't know if I came up with this or if I read it somewhere. Would you have that with a fish diet if you ate a lot of fish? Because if you're a seaman, you know, you're out there on the boat, you're going to eat more fish than most people, right? I would imagine that your cuisine is a little limited. And if you're catching fish, you're probably eating fish. Yeah, I've heard that with mercury poisoning or an elevated mercury level. But but yeah, I haven't about iodine or copper. 16 a.m. Everyone just left except us in the house. Things are starting to drip out of the cabinets. Nobody believes us, but it's happening, right, Jeff? There it is. There it is, right there. Unbelievable. The first night we were at the Hernandez house, um, Jackie told us about some viscous liquid dripping and oozing from various parts of the house. But we took some of the, I guess, liquid ooze, for lack of a better term, uh, back to a lab to have it analyzed. Upon analysis, it was determined this was human blood plasma with a high copper and iodine content, and it was from male blood. It's dripping. It's pulling up over this. Right down here in the corner, Jet Bob. They tried to figure out a logical solution for, you know, why it was happening or possibly coming from a pipe or or what what it could possibly be coming from other than just the walls. But there was no logical explanation. I don't have an explanation for it either. But here's the downside to that sample. They found a technician who was willing to test it because there was really no reason to test it. It wasn't coming from the police. It wasn't coming from a company. There was no urgency to it. The technician who offered to do this, I think, was a friend of somebody on the team. He didn't want to be named at all. He would have lost his job for doing this. So there's really no documentation on it. He says that this falls under pseudoscience and any mention of it is going to ruin anybody. Well, it did show, you know, he's the one who told them. It's male blood plasma. That's the bad side to it, that we don't have documentation anywhere that shows this. We just have Dr. Barry Conrad's word is all we have. Uh, we have no explanation for how this type of fluid, bodily fluid, could be present uh, anywhere outside of a human body, except perhaps in a laboratory. How it got in the walls, we know we for, for a fact that were no bodies stuffed in the wall. Uh, this sounds like a bad movie. It sounds like a bad novel, but this was anything but. And uh, it occurred repeatedly. It wasn't just one occasion. I just did a really quick Google search about high copper levels in blood plasma. And studies have shown that people with various types of cancers, like leukemia, breast cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma, all had high levels of copper in their blood plasma. Ah, I just didn't know that. Interesting. That is interesting. Well, what's the difference between blood plasma and blood? Well, with a lot of poltergeist hauntings that you see, you get blood on the walls, blood in the house. And most of the time, nobody can figure it out. Have you ever heard about the Georgia Blood House? I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds like a future episode. <laughs> I know. I'm mad at myself for not knowing that as well. <laughs> well, you've got this old couple, and I think it was in the 80s again, living in Georgia. The husband was on kidney dialysis. He is in the shower one night. He opens the shower door, and there's blood all over the floor. He hollers for his wife, who had been in another part of the house while he showered. She might have even been in bed. I don't remember, really. She gets up, and she starts finding blood all over the house. Like, it's dripped. It's been smeared. They find it under the TV tray. You you can't even do that unless you 
lift the TV itself up, and back then they were huge. They even found this blood in the crawl space under the house on the walls. And it was human blood, but they never found anyone who was missing any. There was never that type of blood used in his dialysis. And there are other poltergeist hauntings cases, some demonic possessions that I've read about where you're going to end up with blood somewhere. Interesting. All right, Christy, you're going to make me a a firm believer in the paranormal. Uh, I'm sure of it. There has been noises in this room that come from right in the center, right here. Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and talk. That's where the noises come from. Sometimes there's there's a noise like a deep hum, and it's come from right here in midair. It's come from right. So you've heard noises in this room. Oh yeah, deep deep humming. It comes from right here, right in the center of the room. So that was part one of our conversation with Christy about the Jackie Hernandez haunting. Stay tuned for part two coming up in a couple of days.